If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. Let's read that together this morning as we begin. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 31, the word of the Lord says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So here again, we see a very straightforward command from the book of Ephesians. And it commands us this, it it commands us to forgive, to forgive each other. When your brother sins against you, what are you supposed to do? You are supposed to forgive. That is the Christian attitude, that is what we must do. It's the command from this passage. And as we begin, it's good to just think about the idea, the definition of forgiveness, to remember. And it really is what we saw this morning in the scripture reading. It's that idea of canceling out a wrong that someone has done against us. When Jesus talked in Matthew 18, we saw from the scripture reading the king had a servant who owed him 10,000 talents. And what did he do? He canceled that debt. He had truly wronged him. This was not just a misunderstanding. There was a real wrong that had happened, but the king canceled that wrong out. That is the picture of forgiveness. A wrong is canceled. It's no longer on the books of our minds or our hearts. That's forgiveness. And so as we look at this passage and we're told, commanded to forgive, we remember that God has canceled our wrong. And we're told to do that with others as well. And really, this passage, it lists lots of things, but all of these things, I think, are connected to this idea of forgiveness. So if you look at this passage, it really gives us this full-fledged character sketch, you might say, of what a forgiving person looks like. And there are really these uh, five ways we see in this verse of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And so the reason I say they're all connected to forgiveness is because we see that's the reasoning behind these verses, right? They, they say, first, we're supposed to forgive because God has forgiven us. And then it talks about how we're not supposed to be bitter because God is not bitter towards us. But if you're reading carefully, that's not what it says, right? It doesn't say, don't be bitter because God's not bitter against us. It says, don't be bitter because God has forgiven us, right? And so the the forgiveness of God is this foundation behind all of these characteristics of things we're not supposed to be bitter, not supposed to be angry, not supposed to clamor, and how we are supposed to be kind and tenderhearted. God's forgiveness is is connected to all of this. And so all of these things really reflect what forgiveness looks like. And so, like I said, there are, there are five characteristics of a forgiving person in these verses. So the first thing we see is forgiveness is not bitter. Forgiveness is not bitter. Put off bitterness. 
It is the opposite of a forgiving heart, as we see here. And it's not really hard to see why, right? We usually make this connection. When we're bitter, we're holding on to something. It's, it's ingrained in our minds, and we haven't canceled it out. We're, we're still holding on to that very much so. And really, it leads us to, to get jaded about everything else that person does. And it's, uh, instead of leading towards more and more forgiveness, it leads farther away from that. And so we're told to not be bitter. Uh, but as we look at this verse, we, we need to not just remember that. You hear these phrases that people sometimes say, don't, don't get bitter, get better, or things like that, right? And there's nothing wrong with those. But when you think about what does that mean, how do we actually do that? It's easy to say we shouldn't be bitter, but how do we actually work through that? How do we not be bitter? And we see the reasoning here is that we remember that God forgave us. That's how we're supposed to think about it. According to this passage, it's people who have been forgiven by God who are able to work through bitterness. So getting our relationship with God right is the starting point, really, for working through bitterness. And then we remember and we're thankful that, that God is not bitter towards us. I mean, I'm thankful that God is not a bitter God, and you can say the same, same things about all these characteristics, right? God is not bitter. When he forgives us, he doesn't hold on to it. He doesn't forgive us, but then say, oh, I'm going to think differently about you. He doesn't uh, wait for us to prove ourselves. There are no Christians on probation, so to speak, where he'll, he'll set us free. He'll actually forgive us if we prove that we're going to turn our life around. No, he forgives us. He cancels the debt. He frees us. And in that moment when we ask forgiveness, that's the moment he wipes that record of sin away. And so that's what God does with us. If that's how God does, forgives us, then we are told, go and do likewise. Forgive. Do not be bitter. And we don't hold on to it. We meditate on God's forgiveness. And as we meditate on what his forgiveness is like towards us, it begins to change our minds, change our hearts, so that we can then display this forgiveness to other people. Uh, it is also a reminder that if we are bitter, if we are experiencing bitterness, then we probably haven't worked through the process of forgiveness or that posture of forgiveness as we should. And there's still work to do. And so forgiveness is not bitter. That's number one. Number two, forgiveness does not have anger and wrath. We see that's the second thing we're told to put off in these passages, anger and wrath. And maybe you've experienced this phenomenon, maybe you've heard about it, but uh, in relationships, in marriage, sometimes you'll hear that you need to keep things current. Uh, I was thinking about how this is connected to, we had a wedding yesterday here. It was beautiful. Uh, we've got anniversaries always coming up uh, with people in the congregation, and it really is uh, good advice, but that advice just means, hey, if something comes up, if someone, uh, the other person wrongs you, don't file it away and store it up. Deal with it in that moment, or don't don't, uh, like a volcano, don't let the pressure keep building up and building up until you just explode. 
right? That's the, that's the picture we see. This wrath, this anger is the opposite of what forgiveness looks like. These, it's not the posture of forgiveness. And we see that here that the motivation really is the forgiveness of God. Why is it that we're motivated to not hold on to these things, to actually work through them in the moment? It's because that's what God does with us. He forgives us. He doesn't stack up all the ways we have wronged him and hold on to them. I'm thankful for that. We remember the verses about how far the east is from the west. That's how great God's forgiveness is, how our sins are not remembered, but they're on the ocean floor, right? He doesn't hold on to them. And that's what uh, leads us to forgive. And that really is a very practical advice to, to work through things in the moment, to not hold on to them and be angry. It, it, uh, it helps in, ang- in, in marriage. It helps in all kinds of relationships to keep current in that way. But we think about this and we think about God's anger and wrath and how it works with forgiveness. We remember the Bible says that God has those uh, characteristics, that he does all three of these things. He is angry, he has wrath, but he also forgives. And so it's worth thinking about just for a second how those things fit together, right? Because the Bible says there really is a wrong that has happened against God, that we have wronged him and that his wrath abides on sinners. And yet, his forgiveness is able to override that anger, that wrath. Or his anger and his wrath, you could say it this way, doesn't override his forgiveness. When we ask his forgiveness, he doesn't stay angry with us and say, no, I'm not going to forgive you. He cancels that debt. He forgives us. And, and we will never experience the wrath of God because of his forgiveness. And that's an amazing thing, that you, me, every single person has sinned, and we deserve that, that anger, that punishment from God. But he cancels it out. And that is the kind of forgiveness that we're supposed to show to others, not, not holding on to what people have done, not uh, stacking them up in our minds so that eventually we have these outbursts of anger, but forgiving them, truly canceling that debt. And when we, we remember, when we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. This is the, I mean, that's the gospel, that God is forgiving and not wrathful towards us. So, anger, wrath, if we have those things, they probably show that we don't yet have the posture of forgiveness like we need to. There's still work to do in having Uh, growing in a forgiving heart because forgiveness does not have anger and wrath. We also see, number three, forgiveness does not clamor or slander. That's a great word, clamor. We don't usually speak like that, and yet it's a fun word to say, and you know, you probably know exactly what it means when you hear it. You know that clamor is just when someone just won't stop talking. That's really what it is. They just keep going on and on. And in the context of forgiveness, right, it's when, it's when someone, maybe they've said the words, I forgive you, but they keep bringing it up again and again. They keep talking about that moment 
Uh, they keep bringing up what that person did, how it's affected them, they, what they think about it, and on and on and on. And they keep speaking about it. And usually what happens when you keep talking about something and you can't let it go, it, it's not just talk, but it turns often into slander. And we see that word here in this passage as well, that we are not supposed to slander. Uh, it's not just talking about the person and that specific thing, but it can start talking about everything else about that person and uh, your opinion about uh, how bad they are on this and this and this and this, and not just that one event where they wronged you. It's kind of that idea with bitterness, again, of being jaded about that person and everything they're doing so that we are speaking of them always in a negative light. But that is, as we see in this passage, not the Christian posture, that we are to put off clamor and slander, that it does not match with forgiveness. And so if we are, if we're a friend and we, we know our friend is uh, continuing to bring this up and it seems like they cannot let it go, but they continue to talk about it, it to be a good friend in that moment is to, to bring that up with them, to say, hey, just an observation. It seems like you know, you're really holding on to this. I've noticed you talk about it a lot. It seems like it's affecting you, right? And then encourage them to, to work through that, to find a way to forgive, point them to the Lord, right? Uh, that's what friends do. Uh, but if it's us, if we realize or if someone tells us, hey, we keep bringing this up uh, in how we talk, in the, the moments we have to talk about things, then then it probably means that it is still affecting us. And it's still something that we need to work through the process of forgiveness and growing in that posture of forgiveness. Uh, and that, that's just a great point that we remember forgiveness is a process oftentimes. It would be great if we could say the words, I forgive you, and it would, we would never think about it again. It would just be over and done, right? That would be great, but that's often not how it works. And part of the reason why is because we remember the, the character of Satan, that he is an accuser. He loves to accuse. He loves to bring up what people have done and accuse them. And so we get reminded of these things that other people have done. And sometimes even when we've for, for truly forgiven in the moment, we still have to have that forgiving heart and attitude when those thoughts come back around. We have to continue. Uh, it's like Jesus said, how many times should I forgive is what Peter asked. And Jesus answered, 70 times 7. Uh, not just if that person continues to sin against you, but if you keep remembering that same thing they have done, that you have to continue to forgive in that moment. And that is... So true in life. But we also have the promise in the Bible that eventually, if we continue to forgive in the moment, if we, if we don't give in to anger and bitterness and clamor and evil speaking, but we continue to forgive, then we have the promise. What happens? If we resist the devil, he will flee from us. That eventually, those, those thoughts will stop. That we will be able to work through them, that God will help us through those moments so that we can truly forgive. And they become less and less and maybe 
are no more. Maybe they continue, but just less frequently. But the Lord tells us that no matter how often it is that they come, that we must continue this posture, this process of forgiveness. And so we put off clamor, we put off a slander, because these, just like all these other characteristics, they don't make us look like a Christian. They make us look more like an unbeliever. And so instead, we remember God has forgiven us. And again, we're thankful that God does not clamor and speak evil against us. How does God talk about us after he forgives us? We're called saints. We're called holy ones. He has this uh, good speech towards us. And there's, there's no hint of sarcasm in that. He truly speaks good about us and to us once he forgives us. Satan talks bad about us, but God does not. And so we remember this, that we forgive and we forgive fellow Christians and those who sin against us in this way. That the debt is canceled and we are continuing in that posture of forgiveness. So that's number three. Don't clamor. Don't speak evil. Now we, we move to the positive. Those are what forgiveness is not. What is forgiveness? What does it look like positively to display forgiveness? Four, forgiveness is kind. Forgiveness is kind. I mean, that's just a good test when we have interactions with that person who has sinned against us. And we've worked through. We've said, I forgive you and tried to reconcile. Are we able to be kind when we interact with that person again? That's a good test. Uh, Is there still more we have to work through in our hearts of being forgiving? Because forgiveness is kind. We remember that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, that this is God's work in us, that people can be ungrateful, people can be evil. God is still kind to them. He causes his son to come up on the evil and on the just. He brings rain on the whole world, that God is kind and is able to be kind even when people have wronged him. And so we display, we want to display that same kind of kindness. And ultimately, that kindness, we remember, is seen in salvation. That God has forgiven us. That he sent Jesus, his son. We read in Ephesians chapter 2 how really all of salvation, the kindness of God, highlights the grace of God. God didn't have to be this way. But he was kind towards us even when we were sinners and died in our place so that we could be forgiven. And then and then he raises, up, raises us up to sit with him in the heavenly places. A kindness to us that we don't deserve, even, even if we have been forgiven. We don't deserve to be on the same status level as his son, but he adopts us into his family and is kind towards us in that way. And that's the grace and kindness God shows towards us in salvation. That's the good news of the gospel, and that's the, the kindness we get to show towards other people when we forgive them. And Lord willing, that's a picture of the gospel that they can see in us as well. And so forgiveness is kind. And number five, forgiveness is tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. It's essentially, this word means compassionate. We're tender-hearted. We're compassionate. We, uh, we feel for the other person. We're not cold-hearted. We really want what's good for them. Right? We think about what Jesus did 
when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That Jesus showed this compassion. And so we want to not just get through interactions with people and grit our teeth and bear it, but we truly want that heart attitude of kindness and being compassionate for the other person and wanting what is good for them, where we really do feel compassion for that person. We know that when people wrong us, they need Jesus. Ultimately, they need Jesus, right? And sometimes that's a saying, right? Y'all need Jesus, right? But we truly want to feel that. We know that people either need to know Jesus as their Savior or they need to grow in following Jesus. And we want to have that heart attitude, just like Jesus did as he saw the crowds who are not holy, who are not uh, perfect, but he had compassion and wanted to see them grow in following him. And so this is the kind of forgiveness we want to show. We want to show forgiveness that is not bitter, that does not have wrath or anger or clamor or slander, or is not maliceful, but we want to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And as we start to draw to a close, that phrase is worth considering. At the end of the verse, as God in Christ forgave you, that God's forgiveness is in Christ. That it's not just that God forgave us. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but God can't just cancel out sins, right? God is a just judge. He always does what is right. And so when there is something that is wrong that happens, it has to be repaid. It's like if you were robbed and uh, someone stole from you and you went to court. They caught the person. You went to court and the judge just said, oh, it's no big deal. Uh, just don't do it again. Oh, and you can, you can just keep what you took. It's no big deal, right? We would say that's not a good judge. He is... Uh, tried to be merciful and forgiving, but there's a wrong that's happened and it hasn't been dealt with, right? And so when there's a wrong that's happened, God can't just say it's no big deal. It has to be dealt with. It has to be paid for. In order to be forgiven, the sin still has to be dealt with, and that is the glory of the cross and what Jesus has done. Because through the cross, God is able to be both just and as Romans 3 says, both just and the justifier. He's able to deal with sin, to truly still be a just judge who carries out punishment for sin, but also forgives us so that we don't have to pay the punishment, but that that punishment falls on Jesus on the cross. So he took our sins. That forgiveness is only possible because of Jesus on the cross. And that's what we're reminded. God in Christ forgave us. He's the only one who could do it. Only Jesus could do it as, as man, fully man, truly man, who could take our place. As truly God who could fully obey God and be the perfect substitute for us. That Jesus has died in our place so that we could be forgiven. And that's why we must remember that God in Christ forgives us. And so we remember that 
the only way to be forgiven is to go through Jesus. That's the only place there is forgiveness. We remember Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We only come to the Father through him. That means forgiveness is only through Jesus. This is part of why when we ask God's forgiveness, we can't just ask, God, can you forgive me? But we also must surrender and submit our life to Jesus as Lord. It has to be in Jesus. We have to be united with him in order to receive this forgiveness from God. And so if we haven't asked God to forgive us and committed our life to him, then we haven't truly received forgiveness from God. Because that's what we remember, that God in Christ forgives us. That it's through Christ that the wrath of God for our sins is dealt with. And so if you haven't received that forgiveness, if you haven't uh, prayed and asked God to forgive you and then committed your life to him, do that today. Pray to him today and ask him to forgive you. And as God forgives us, he changes us and makes us this kind of person who is forgiving, who imitates his forgiveness, that is kind and tender-hearted. And so we remember forgiveness this morning, that forgiveness is these five things. It is not bitter, it's not ang- angry or wrathful. It is kind, it is tender-hearted, it does not clamor or slander. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we are thankful for this passage. Lord, forgiveness is something we all need ourselves personally. We need to be forgiven by you. We need your forgiveness because we have sinned. And Lord, we know that in a world of sin and brokenness where we are surrounded by people who are not perfect, we remember that we will be sinned against. And Lord, we pray that we will grow in this forgiving attitude that we will grow in forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you will convict us if we still have any of these things in our hearts, this bitterness or anger or clamor, or if we have not reached this kindness and tenderheartedness towards people, that you will continue to grow us in this forgiving posture even as we reconcile and seek to reconcile with others. Lord, we pray that you will continue to give us wisdom as we work through forgiveness and what it looks like. But Lord, make us into this kind of person that looks like you and how you have forgiven us. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.